Once upon a time when we were coloured, crowds of Rastas made their way to Kingston Harbour with their knapsacks and their packed suitcases like they were going to some far-off places to fulfil the prophecy of Marcus Mosiah Garvey. The 7th of July 1977 was going to be sheer heaven when the four sevens clash, Garvey prophesied, leave your troubles and dash to the seaside where seven miles of my ocean liner, the Black Star Liner, will be ready to take you home to Africa. It's repatriation, black liberation. Yes, the time has come. You're going home. I can see them coming. I can see Idrins running. I can hear the elders saying, these are the days for which we've been praying. Seven miles of Black Star liners coming in the harbour. Marcus Garvey's words have come to pass. Let's talk about Marcus Garvey. It's a great opportunity to talk about the Jamaican national hero that is sometimes forgotten or bypassed in the history books. Shango Baku is here, a Rastafari journalist, an activist and editor of Rastafari Speaks and Thunder. I would say Marcus Garvey was one of the greatest African descendants, certainly of the 20th century. Um, he was born in 1887 in St. Anne's, Jamaica. Uh, his father was... Um, a stonemason and a very learned member of the community. Marcus grew up reading a lot of books, becoming very conscious, uh, became a printer when he What left. do you mean by conscious? I mean conscious of himself at a time when we were still in a desperate colonial straits and we didn't know ourselves. Marcus was fortunate enough to be in a situation where his surroundings and his forebears gave him that level of consciousness that made him move on to the great things that he did, you know? And from being an apprentice, printer's uh, apprentice, he went on to travel to um, Costa Rica, Panama, Venezuela, etc. in his early years, before going to Britain, and uh, later on, of course, to the United States of America, where he started the greatest black organization that has ever happened in our time and in any other time, perhaps. The United Negro Improvement Association. UNIE, yes. And um, he has certainly uh, empowered not just the African descendants of all time, but some of the great leaders of all time, such as Nkrumah, um, Nereri, Malcolm X, and others. They have all said that their work began or their inspiration came from the words and the works and the writings of Marcus Mosiah Garvey. They were inspired to lead their nations, to uplift their people, to uh, ensure that Africa had a place on a par with other nations of the world because of the work that Marcus did over his lifetime. So we certainly give him due credit. And um, in the Rastafari movement, he is second only to Rastafari, I think, in terms of his status. As in Haile Selassie. Haile Selassie I, his imperial majesty. King of kings, lord of lords, conquering line of the tribe of Judah. Yes, who Marcus pointed towards in a speech in 1927 when he said, look towards Africa. When you see a black king crowned, the day of redemption is at hand. So... Uh, even though he said some things that were not too kind about his imperial majesty in regard to the Italo-Ethiopian conflict, Rastafari have overlooked that and hold him in high regard, very high regard. 
Culture Mark, in terms of learning about Marcus Garvey, uh, in, in terms of teaching about Marcus Garvey, do you regard Marcus Garvey as a philosopher, a statesman, or I in which way do you teach about Marcus Garvey? How do you define what he represents in your teachings? M Marcus Garvey is a phenomenon. It's as simple as that. There, is, uh, there hasn't been anything like him since, and... Um, we are still striving to build more Marcus Garvey's in the community, but he is definitely a phenomenon in the sense that um, his message at the time, his teachings at the time, in the environment that he was in at the time, um, has never been replicated. And we as a people don't have no excuses based on what he achieved in that time and with all the help that we have now. So in terms of teaching what uh, Marcus Garvey was, Marcus Garvey um, is all the things you said. He's a statesman, he's a philosopher, he's a leader. Um, he is definitely he's an, an example from what yeah, you say. He's an, he's an example. <coughs> yes, most definitely. An example. So the way he led his life, the way he conducted himself, yeah. the way he dealt, for example, in business or as a statesman, is an example to the rest of us to follow. Then, yes, most definitely. He definitely left the black print for us. The fact of the matter is not many of us know about this black print, so we don't get to um, utilise it in our everyday um, goings about because this is what needs to be done. Um, excuse me, needs to be done in order to then implement nation building, which is part of his philosophy. Yeah, the philosophies and opinions of Marcus Garvey, Chinidu and Adobe, is the way that I met Marcus Garvey, just learning about uh, him as somebody who had a philosophy of life. Did that resonate with you at all growing up in West London, as I've said, in, in the vicinity of Grenfell Tower, as we speak of it? Yeah. Uh, it very it certainly did but um but my readings and my understanding of what marcus garvey did and meant didn't really come home to me until i was compelled to to learn about him via burning spear and his album okay and i think it's important that you know if in terms of learning and being aware of marcus garvey burning spear has to be lauded for that because that album set a lot of people on the road of to self-discovery and learning because I certainly prior to that album had not known or heard of or been taught anything about Marcus Garvey and that's a failing of course in our school system I don't know if it's changing now because it's a long time since I left school but I would say having listened to that album and the impact that it had on us all that grew up you know, going out, you know, listening to Shaka, listening to Suffer in the 70s, mid-70s. Um, for me, it was like a whole new world opening up. It is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if any of you other uh, veterans of the struggle resonate with what Chinadu is saying there, that this one album uh, by Burning Spear from, I think, 1976, uh, Marcus Garvey, Introduce many of us to even the phenomenon of Marcus Garvey. There was one song on it um, in which he tries to say that, look, Marcus Garvey, national hero of Jamaica, although he wasn't, I don't think, at that time. Hence why there were trumped-up charges against him and he went through enough tribulations for us, his people. It's just that he was so visionary and because the status quo did not like the fact that he was opening the eyes of these Africans who were taught that they're less than and that they deserve to be enslaved and to be governed by other people, Marcus wiped all that away 
because he looked at us in our supremacy and he told us Africans to wake up, open our eyes, look to Africa because that's where we really came from. We're not these enslaved people on these plantations in the Caribbean that they're telling us that we are. So that is why Marcus's legacy and what he represented was pushed aside by the Jamaican elite and leaders. However, as we all know, it was a message that was so important that it couldn't stay hidden. And the Rasta movement, Rasta in, um, individuals, reggae music mm -hmm. played homage to that. And so because we're people who love music, the message of Marcus started to be re and re light, really, so that another generation got to know of this man and his works. But there will be a generation, uh, maybe our parents' generation or the generation before that, who know very little of Marcus Garvey from what you have explained. You know, if you, I follow your historical trajectory there, who know nothing about Marcus Garvey. And of course, the reason why that's important is because they handed down the baton of ignorance, if you like, to us, to our generations. Mikey Massive, you're a long-time journalist, media assassin, if you like, as well. Thank you very much, Dutton. And um, I would like to add to what Sister Sheba was expounding on in terms of the suppression of Marcus Garvey's legacy by the colonial Jamaican government. There was also a man named uh, Leonard Howell who many people credit as the first Rastaman. And he was a Garveyite. He, he was a member of um, the UNIACL in New York. He, came, he returned to Jamaica. He, he spread the vision. He was arrested several times for sedition. He also founded the first um, African community, independent African entrepreneurial community mm -hmm. in the Caribbean yeah. in the 20th century. In Pinnacle. Was this up in Pinnacle in, in Jamaica? Pinnacle, yeah. yes. And he was following on from the tradition set by the Colombo, the Colombos in, in, in Brazil. Um, what took place at Pinnacle was um, frightening to the colonial government because at that point in time you had working class African people who were now working independently and also had a level of affluence which were, they were not supposed to have. So it was very important for the uh, colonial government on behalf of... Um, their colonial masters in Britain to suppress, to crush, to brutalize these people. You see, our parents' generation, when we first heard some of these um, tracks through reggae, through um, culture, through Bob Marley, through Marcus Garvey, the only reference we had, we couldn't go to school. We went to our parents. And our parents, my father particularly, was able to fill in some of the gaps. So it wasn't that they didn't know. It was that they were so oh, many of them did frightened. Know. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they many were so of the, frightened. They were so many, by the brutality and, that was and meeting And many out. of our parents were Garveyites. That's right. Were Even Garveyites. to, 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 to we, we know about the Coral Garden incident, and we know of many incidents whereby Rastafari people were brutalized, not only in Jamaica, in Dominica, in Trinidad, in many, many locations within the Caribbean. So it was something that was whispered. And we see ourselves as the generation that led that whisper into a shout again. Mm -hmm. Brother Morris, you wanted to come in on that? Yeah, I was going to say, the, um, personally, I had no idea who this Marcus Messiah Garvey was un until pretty recently. About eight years ago, if you said to me, who is he? I'd have known that he was somebody who um, said something important, but I couldn't tell you any more, more than that. So to your, your message about um, the legacy of ignorance, it's taken me looking for myself to find out who um, who this this man was, and what struck me um, 
was that it wasn't just about the fact that other other people would talk about um you know equality and what i noticed from marcus garvey was that he was doing the things that needed to be done so you could actually follow you could literally say okay if i want to create some sort of freedom in, in my life then all i need to do is follow what marcus garvey has done and that led me on a, on a journey that's had uh, profound differences in my own personal life and it's now a privilege for myself to be able to teach my daughter about marcus garvey just uh, as, as a brother was saying earlier on just yesterday she was telling me that in her geography class she was she's in a class of just two black children and the rest of them are white and what they're being in this geography class they're, they're all reading about different people in uh, around the world so some are aristocrats some are governors some are poor some are rich and she and the other other child of african descent were uh, two ethiopian starving children and so that is still what they're being taught about you know that great continent we're talking about marcus mosiah garvey uh, the prophet, a philosopher as well, statesman as well, founder of the United Negro Improvement Association, which had in its day hundreds of thousands of followers right across America, in the Caribbean, in Africa. The man whose legacy, let's be real now, the legacy of Marcus Garvey resulted in the independence of African countries, whether it be Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, wherever it is, indeed, the flag of Ghana represents Marcus Garvey's colours, the red, green and black of Marcus Garvey. That's a fact. Marcus Garvey set the template as to how we, as black people, can be successful. And yet, to a certain extent, we haven't achieved the template, have we? Well, I wouldn't agree with you totally because Garvey's legacy has enlightened enough of us that we now have regained our African pride. We've regained our pride in self. So that's one thing. In terms of Garvey telling us to know who we are, in that sense, it is widely successful. It is not totally successful, but it is widely successful. A lot, uh, I would say, the majority, if not most, but a huge number of us are enlightened because of Garvey's telling us to look to Africa. A lot of us have returned to Africa. A lot of us do indeed trade with Africa and are sponsoring various projects in Africa. So that's one thing. The other thing that, there's two other things that I think are important. One of them is that when the enslavers did their work on us, the, the main damage that was done was our minds, our psyche. That self-loathing that they instilled in us that enabled the trade to carry on for generations after generations, unfortunately, does still exist in varying degrees mm -hmm. in the black race, in the African heritage people who are the, the um, children of the people who were taken. That self-loathing is really, really quite deep. So Garvey's work has done a lot towards healing that. But because that self-loathing is deep, one. And then the second thing is, because the powers that be, i.e. the system, Babylon, the, the, the status quo, wants things to stay as they are, 
even those who are enlightened are continuously fighting against a, a wall, basically. And that wall extends to even behavior from our own because of the fact that we have been damaged by this um, journey of enslavement and mindset. So Garvey has done a lot in terms of the legacies handed down in self-pride, but the work still needs to be done. But I do want to say that it is being done to some degree. Brother Shanko, Shanko Baku, even when, as I hear those wise words there about Garvey, Remember what we heard just now, that many of us are enlightened. That's what Sister Shiva was saying. Many of us are enlightened. Many of us, then, are not enlightened. But also, what she says continually about back to Africa, back to Africa, we're here in Britain, the next generation, they don't have that connection with Africa. They see themselves as black Britons, frankly, and there's a disconnect. I wonder whether it's we who were enlightened and have knowledge of self who have let everybody else down by not repatriating to Africa. It's a good point, Dutton. And, you know, we have the Rastafari movement to thank for actually doing that, you know, performing what was needed from Garvey's words, you know, not just look towards Africa and think, well, yes, we have somewhere where we came from, but why not return and build up the continent? So we have in Ethiopia, Shashamani, as you may know, a model community of those who have returned as Rastafari to Ethiopia and who have helped to develop the consciousness of ones on the continent. We also have had ones who are returning to Ghana, to South Africa, to Mozambique, to every part of the continent. And in every one of those African countries, there's an enclave of Rastafari from the local brethren and sistren who have seen the light and decided to turn towards Rastafari as a way of expressing that pride, that identity, and that love of Africa. So Garvey's message resonates within the Rastafari movement, who have become a spearhead of that repatriation movement, of that African consciousness. And the broader theme is that the Rastafari movement has empowered the broader community to become more conscious, to become more self-aware and, and be proud of self, you know what I mean? This thing that we have on our head is like our natural uh, headgear, you know? It is an ancient style that reminds us of where we are coming from, of who we are. Both priests and warriors have worn it over the time, and it is a distinctive symbol that is now worn perhaps as a, a, a fashion statement by some, but that fashion statement can become consciousness in time. So we don't say, well, you know what I mean, only the Nazi dreadlock have a right to wear it. But we are a continuation, and we are, as sometimes says, sons and daughters of Marcus. One thing that Marcus Gavi taught us is that we are Africans. Yes, sir. And in 19, um, after World War I, 1900, when he saw how the Polish were fighting for their independence yes, from the Germans and from the Russian uh, who, who conquered them and the, the Serbians and other uh, uh, white ethnic groups uh, in Eastern Europe were fighting for their for their um, independence and Americans were pushing for the carving up of um, the breakup of um, European empires in Europe. And he says, well, hang on a minute. If Britain is for the British people and German for the German people, then Africa, the issue is we as African people, no matter where we are, mm -hmm. are African. Mm -hmm. We're not black British. 
that is identity that's imposed on us mm. is telling us it's what you identify with. When we see African people dying in the Mediterranean, our young people don't recognize themselves, don't recognize those people as Africans or, uh, or so as, as, as their own. You just mentioned indirectly through what you were saying that mm. the struggle that Marcus Garvey stood for, which was to fight for a free and independent Africa for the Africans at home and African abroad, hasn't been achieved yet. What we have in Africa is a neo-colonial Africa, so we can go back to Africa. But as we know, the land of Africa, so it doesn't belong to us. You know Ethiopia? In Ethiopia right now, the Arabs, the Saudi Arabia and Qatar, because their land is full of desert. They're buying land so they can grow food for themselves. The issue is that when yes, our young people yes, can identify themselves yes, as African... We, we recognise that there is a lot of African people that don't see themselves as black, and there is a lot of black people that don't see themselves as African. So what we have to do is meet them where they are, right, and imply our, their knowledge of self in order for them to get that African pride, because that's what normally happens after we teach our courses, after they do our events, after they go on our tours. They, they get to understand, oh, they've been lied to all their lives, and why isn't this in the curriculum? Why isn't this being taught in schools? So it's it's a uh, the, the black identity with, with is powerful. With all due respect, with all yeah. due respect, you know that every single one of us who are parents can teach our children and send our children to African history classes and African knowledge classes or black knowledge classes, if you like. We do. I've done it. And many of us do do it. Right. Many people do choose not to because they're not interested. There's, it's there's not, no it's, unity it's, it's anymore. It's, there's it's, no, we don't have the unity, the very unity that Marcus Garvey was talking about. One love... <laughs> One God, one aim, one destiny. One moment, brother. We don't have it. We don't have it. Let me just say this. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery because none but ourselves can free our minds. A lot of people think, oh, it's a song that Bob Marley done. That that is actually the words of Marcus Mm, Garvey. mm. And the problem that we have as a people is that we're still mentally enslaved. We're still living from a colonial point of view. And there is not enough of us doing... um, the works of Marcus Garvey keeping the legacy alive so it's, it's easy to say a lot of us know this and a lot of us know that through my experience of teaching black history and black studies a lot of us don't know anything well uh, touch, uh, to take on the point that Sister Sheba made about the psychology that a lot of us or the psyche that has been so damaged with a lot of us we don't have an African cosmology even on the continent. What difference would that make? It makes all the difference because everybody else has a cosmology of their own. Everybody else has a perception of themselves in their Godhead. We have a host of people amongst our family group who do not perceive themselves as having any identification with the divinity. Therefore, you will see all manner of trauma, traumatized behavior, that, that, and that even on the continent itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, our people here. Especially. The, this, 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 this. Um, black British identification is something that has only come up over the last 20 years yeah. prior to that we were all described yeah. as Jamaicans yeah. <laughs> because we were seen as people that they didn't want that well they took us again yeah. because yeah. they needed to rebuild their on. economy mm. well times, times they say times move on, on. Mike, but yeah. we are all, we remain valuable we yeah, remain let me, valuable let me, to let everyone me, uh, else let me interject there because <clears throat> I can answer your question in three words divide et impera Divide and conquer has yeah. been the way yeah. in which well, the man, reason yeah. why you say about bring back the Latin, yeah? right? The reason why you say <laughs> unit, um, there's no unity, 
is because every single time we work towards unity, yes. there is a whole systematic agenda mm-hmm. to ensure mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen. Exactly. And, 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 and we, we can't, we can't and overcome that. Even no, 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 we can. We can. Let me say something, please. Let me say this, yeah, first of all, right? I'm a Nigerian. I am a Nigerian. So when I hear the term, I'm African, we're African, we're African, it means very little to me. Yeah, but Nigerian oh. was just part of what the no, British hold on carved out. We were not Nigerians before the British uh, carved true, it up in the 19th century, though. Well, yes, we? that's we were true. Africans. But, but my point, the point I'm trying to yeah. make is, right, that when we talk about African, we just say African, all right, that's not specific enough. Africa, we're African. Why not? Right? That's an identity, isn't it? No, just it's like not, Europeans. Because Africa is a massive no, continent. No, when Europeans go to America, to the United States, they're European, European Americans. They're not necessarily Swedish American or Czechoslovakian American. True. Right? Okay. They're Europeans. True. Well, Europe, I, we're African, I see that point. Let me African move to the next Americans, one. We're talking so. about young people here, oh. black youngsters growing up, growing up, coming up here, right? Stopping them on the street, asking them who Marcus Garvey is, ninety-nine percent of them will not know. Okay, we'll not know. So whose responsibility is that? Is it ours to make sure that they Maybe know that? Maybe it's not important anymore. Well, that, it, is, it has to, has to be that's important. A challenge no, that... but it has to be simply no, because why? if we're talking about his le- Marcus Garvey's legacy, right, and I've heard that a lot of the independents, you yourself have said it, has come as a direct result of Marcus, of Marcus Garvey. So it's absolutely important. But let me say this last thing. Growing up here, in this country here, right, my father knew nothing whatsoever about Marcus Garvey. My mother did nothing, knew nothing, didn't do anything, didn't tell me anything about it. My father came to this country, 1957, bought his first house, right? He was the first African, if you want to call it that, Nigerian in Labrador Grove to actually buy a house and rent to the Moroccan people that were coming in 1969, 1970. Now, my father did that not as a result of Marcus Garvey. He did that as a result of coming here and struggling and battling. So I don't hold with... Anything we're talking about in terms of progress and unity is directly down to Marcus Garvey. I don't hold with that. Our journey is a different journey. Therefore, Marcus was very, very important and remains so because of that journey. When you're a people who've had your identity wiped away Mm -hmm. and you've been taught generation after generation that you're something else, to have someone who looks like you rise up and say no. Don't listen to that. It's not the truth. Look to Africa. Therefore, for us, I don't know if I was taken from Ghana, Mali, Nigeria, or anywhere along the coast. So anywhere in Africa that I can land is home to me. And I see that as returning things the way they ought to be, reversing the status quo. Our aim is about reparation and repatriation. And we work tirelessly at that. We're a small band because of the psyche of our damaged people. Every year so far we've been holding a celebration around emancipation day to to acknowledge our ancestors to acknowledge the fact that although we were stolen put in chains and shipped to the other side of the world and then totally brainwashed we rise up and we pay homage to our ancestors and remember where they come from and marcus our prophet marcus dearly beloved marcus is way up there from what brother chinudu says that marcus Marcus Garvey's philosophy seeps through even without you knowing it. When he says his father did all of this without Marcus Garvey, I wonder whether he's not, with all due respect, Chinadu, he's not um, 
maligning the impact of Marcus Garvey because even the philosophy of do for self, which brought many of our parents, maybe misguidedly, over to these shores, that philosophy of get up, you mighty race, from whatever predicament we were in before, uh, Brother Shanga, you're nodding there. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Uh, many of us have become Garveyites through almost secondary Os- means. Osmosis. Not, osmosis. Yeah, osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the point I'm trying to say. Yeah. Through osmosis. And this is where it goes wrong. When we see uh, Mr. Reggae Reggae Swords, for example, who I would say, um, from what I know of Levi Roots, was a Garveyite in principle. Nevertheless, he had to go and uh, to embrace other cultures to make his source go worldwide or whatever. No, but does that not still, does that make him less of a Garveyite as a result well, of that? This is, this, is the, well, this is what's interesting about it because Marley. people would have, people look at me and say, well, you're clearly not a Garveyite. But uh, just over a year Why ago. Why do they say that? I'm saying people people may do that because as I said earlier on, I don't even know who he was but now you not do. so long ago. But now you do, which is better than most. Of, of course. But when I, I I did a speech for the UNIA about Marcus Garvey on behalf of the Black Father Support Group, and what I was coming up against, what I was always knocking up against was the fact that he would do what he said he was going to, he would say what he's going to do and then he would do it. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people will talk the, the talk, talk and they the won't walk it. So literally, straight from that, I... Uh, Made, I had to make some arrangements. I had to drop a whole load of things that I was doing over here in the UK. And me and my wife, we took ourselves over to Gambia. We opened up a restaurant. We called it Mazayas after that brother because of the fact that it was a direct result of learning about him and what he was advising us to do that made us go and open that restaurant. Well, why didn't you open up a restaurant over here? We could do with that. We could do with that over here the as well. Point, we? The whole could conversation we? that this brother has been talking about is us going back to Africa and building up that continent. This is where we came from. This is where my roots are from. This is where my colour is from, where my melanin is from. Yeah, yeah. So, But not everybody I'm, sees it like that. Not everybody. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to find some unity with everybody else here. The now. fact that they don't see it doesn't make it not the truth. Can I just say as well that um, Garvey didn't only teach and preach that. Garvey said that we have to be sufficient wherever we are because at the end of the day, it's about linking... Tr- not everybody's going to want to go back to Africa. And he said there's some no-good black people that he wouldn't bring back to Africa with him anyway. <laughs> so we have, to look, we have to look into that as well. But what Garvey was saying is that we have to make sure that as an African people, we are linked nationally, globally. And this is what the we Black are Star United. Line... Yeah, well, we yeah. are united. So uni- yeah. yeah, unity, unity comes strength, first. Yeah. Right? Unity comes first. Right. But, but Papa Garvey also said, organise or perish. Wear that crown. 